Welcome to Let's Wine About the Business of Beauty with your host, salon owner and educator, Heidi Hallett. Join Heidi and her guests as they uncork the secrets to success, share practical advice, and navigate the ever-changing world of beauty. Get ready to uncork strategies to inspire and empower you to create a career filled with abundance and joy. Okay, you guys, I am so excited. We are back. Um, July is the start of the whole rebrand with the business of beauty podcast rather than just the business podcast. And I could not have picked a better guest for my very first one. I actually ran across Phil's podcast, um, Build Your Salon. Is that right? Build Your Salon That's with, right. Phil, yeah. with Phil mm -hmm. Jackson. Yes, I came across your podcast a couple of months ago and I loved it. I love the queen of salons. <laughs> and <laughs> I was really, really excited when you accepted my invitation to be a guest here. So Welcome, Phil. And the first thing I always like to do, so it's only 1030 in the morning here where I am, where we're recording, but it's a Friday and I'm drinking a mimosa. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's okay. It's been a kind of a crazy week around here. So what are you enjoying with me tonight, Phil? I am enjoying, you, a, I'm enjoying a Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand, um, which is my favorite. I like my white wines and I like them nice and dry because I'm British and that's what we do. Dry and sour are our key words to go to <laughs> as far as refreshments is concerned. I love that. We are going to New Zealand. Well, we're going to Tasmania and then oh, wow. going to spend some time in New Zealand um, this fall. So I'm really excited to portray some of those wines in that part of the world amazing i've never been invited to um, <laughs> australia or new zealand and that's a not very subtle hint to anyone listening right. out there who would like some cut price coaching just pay the airfare and i'm there <laughs> i love it okay if anybody's listening there you go and i i'll join <laughs> <laughs> we can have fun <laughs> yeah sure um so so tell me a little bit about yourself anything you want to tell us about your personal life and then kind of your journey in the beauty spa just this industry in general oh goodness um <laughs> well i came to salons the long way round. so i went through university i got my degree um so i have a degree in banking and finance okay. and um a post-grad diploma in law um and I kind of knew halfway through my degree that that wasn't going to be me, really. Um, right. But I finished it and I got good grades and all the rest of it. And um, and then I met my husband who was already working in salons. Um, he was an assistant manager in a Tony and Guy franchise, actually. And, okay. um, and they were just opening a new branch and they had no staff to shampoo and sweep up and all the rest of it. Um, so he said, well, I come in and help on a Saturday. And I was hooked, to be honest, and that was way back in, and it's hard to believe, darling, but it was way back in 1999, <laughs> and I always feel terribly old whenever I talk about anything that happened in the last century. It always makes me feel hugely ancient. I um, hear you. <laughs> uh, but I was not 16, 17 years old. I was mid-20s, and I was also very arrogant. So um, I'd only been <laughs> working in salons for about two years when we opened our, our own salon. Um, and to be honest with you, we were we were doing okay. We weren't 
setting the world ablaze or breaking any world records, but we had nice cars and we went on nice holidays and all those good things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first 10 years we were, we were pretty successful to be honest. And then the wheels fell off when I, and this sounds awful the way I'm phrasing it, but the wheels fell off <laughs> when we started a family. So when we um, adopted my eldest son, um, because I'm a big planner and I'm sure you are too. Anyone to do with anything with coaching, we always love a journal and an excuse yes. to go to the stationery <laughs> store and, and a whiteboard yes. to make things out, all those good things. So I'm a big planner and I thought, and any parents listening will be laughing at me, I thought you could plan parenting. And, uh, <laughs> and let me tell you, if you don't have kids or you're thinking about it, you can't plan parenting because they don't read the plan. In fact, most of the time they <laughs> act like there isn't a goddamn plan. Um, so well, they scribble um, on it. <laughs> they scribble on it. They wipe their butts on it. It's disgusting, really. But um, so my little dude, um, you know, my children are both adopted. And mm. um, and my oldest was two and a half when we were adopting him. And I'd planned to take six weeks away from the salon to, to help him settle in. Um, and I love the one of the um, features of our industry that I love is when your customers, your clients become, they're not friends, but they're, they're, they're something more than just clients. And they start yeah. buying into your life goals as well as your business goals. And my clients were so thrilled that we were starting a family. Um, so I was planning to take six weeks off. They were all fine. They were seeing other members of my team. Um, and then it became really clear really quickly that my little dude was not going to settle in six weeks. Um, and in fact, social services made it a condition of his adoption that I take six months off. And the problem was I was the biggest earner. I was the salon manager. I was the only one looking after any of my team members. I put nothing in place at all. Um, and I didn't care, to be honest with you. And it sounds terrible, but I was enjoying playing Legos and and just bonding yeah. with this with this very definition of a blessing. Um, so I didn't do anything. And really quickly, we started to fail, to be honest. We started um, losing customers because six weeks was one thing. Six months, that was a different thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then we started to lose team members because there was nobody managing their careers. There was no one taking care of stuff. Um, and that meant that we were starting to lose money really fast. Mm-hmm. Problem was, um, that's the main, that was the main source of income for myself and my husband. We had the salon together. So we had no other money coming into the household. Um, and then I took a phone call. Oh, I'm going to have a sip of wine because this is harsh. <laughs> took a phone call um, at home from my accountant. And I don't know how long you've had your business, but if an accountant calls you at home, it's not good news. <laughs> They're not <laughs> calling to news. say they've suddenly found 10,000 that you've overpaid on your taxes. It, it doesn't work like that. No. And my accountant, uh, we were about 12 weeks into my adoption leave and the accountant said, you've got six months left. And that was mm. six months to make the team redundant, sell whatever we could fixtures and fittings wise, try and get someone to take over the lease in the salon because we were done. We were, we were going to go bankrupt. Um, and I can remember just standing in the kitchen and my, my little dude was pestering me for a snack while I was taking this call. And, uh, and I, it was just like being punched. I was yeah. so devastated that I tried to save this little boy from all this chaos that was going on in his life. And I was failing him. I wasn't providing for him. I was opening him up to more chaos. Um, and I and I just got off the phone and I sat on the kitchen floor and I just cradled him and cried. He must have wondered what on <laughs> earth was going on. And it's the, it's the first time my little boy ever saw me cry. Um, but 
we didn't have a choice. I couldn't get a job anywhere else because I was still on adoption leave. So I tore the business to pieces. I went through everything. And bear in mind, I've got a degree in banking and finance. I should have mm-hmm. known what was going on. Um, and what was frustrating was we were busy. This was what was really annoying me was that yeah. the guys that I had left in the team were, were fully booked. Right. Um, but we were losing money. So I went through every employment contract, every supplier arrangement, all of the invoices. I went through everything with a fine tooth comb. And I'd love to say that within six months, you know, we were massively profitable. It took that six months to get us onto an even keel to stop running up debt. Um, and then from there, we started to to grow and to smash records. And, and that was my big bitter pill as far as my business is concerned was yeah. that six months. I'd never worked so hard. Um, and part of that, and I know that you're keen to talk about um, salon memberships today. Yeah. And that was a huge part of it because I the, the biggest struggle that I had were these massive fluctuations in turnover. And essentially the pattern as we went through the year was that we would have an okay January. And weirdly, I always thought January was a bad month for us, but it was yeah. average. Um, and then February, we ran up some overdraft and then March, we would pay some off. And we had these huge spikes and troughs in our t- turnover. And it made it so hard to plan. I couldn't figure out when we could invest in marketing, when we could recruit, when we could refurb the salon, because I always felt that I was kind of chasing this, this paying off the overdraft all the time. And memberships were a really key part in just smoothing Mm -hmm. out those peaks and troughs and getting us onto an even keel financially. Okay. So I love this. And when we, when we met the first time you talked to me about the memberships and Mm. this is a concept that I've heard of in terms of, you know, tanning salons or blowout bars or mm-hmm. you know something that people are doing the same service over and over like weekly or and but I had never really heard of it in the terms that you were talking to me about it and mm-hmm. since then I have done this deep dive and I'm fascinated by this concept and I don't think that's something here in the states at least I I couldn't find any salons in my search that Okay. that was really doing it the way you talked about it and okay so That's i would love to to talk about that like tell hmm. me how how that worked for you to begin with and then i know that you've coached other salon owners to to get to that point sure sure that's and, what, what got me into coaching in in the first place was membership okay. because we uh, we were the first to to do anything like uh-huh. that so i got some awards for innovation some industry awards and some local business awards um and then i started getting calls from other salon owners that had, that had read the story and said you know they wanted they wanted my help too so initially that was all i taught was memberships and it's still i'm, I'm still the queen of memberships this is kind of where i've got my thumbprint very okay. firmly um but i i'm a big sponge as far as business is concerned and i'm very wary um this sounds like i'm down on the industry and i'm not i adore salon owners they're some of my favorite people in the world but we're not we're so creative in our day-to-day work and when it comes to our businesses we're not all of that creativity seems Mm -hmm. to dry up and disappear and i find it really frustrating um so i try where i can to take ideas from outside the industry and that can be something really simple like um Oh goodness. So we have, a, we have a five point promise in my salon. Um, and one of those points is that we will tell you about every product we use on your hair today, or you take them all home for nothing. Okay. This is a promise that we make our customers. It's front and center. It's on, on a little, um, cling at the bottom of every mirror and it 
revolutionized our retail sales. Okay. Um, but I stole that idea from TGI Fridays. Do you remember TGI Fridays where people yes. used to serve cocktails? Um, yeah. they, have a, they had a promise at the bottom of their menu. I was eating there one, well, drinking there one day, let's face it. Um, <laughs> and uh, they had a promise at the friends. bottom of the menu that said, if your server doesn't offer you a dessert, you get the dessert for nothing. And mm-hmm. I loved it. I loved it. I thought, how can I bring that into our industry? Um, and it was the same with memberships. So I was at um, a networking event and I, I, I love networking with salon owners and salon professionals. Um, local networking though, a bit of me dies, to be honest. Um, if you put me in a room with an accountant <laughs> and two web designers and a solicitor who looks very tired and especially with his bloody breakfast networking, where they expect you to smile at people at 6.30 in the morning. My God, I hate it. I hate it. But um, this, I, I went to this one event. I was a guest at this one event and, uh, and I was sat next to this guy who ran a gym um a fitness center but unusually for our town it was independent it wasn't part of a a chain Mm. um so he knew everything about his business um and i got talking to him and what i really liked about his business model that was that he could tell me with relative certainty how much they were going to be turning over next month and next quarter maybe even give or take some you know some people joining and a few cancellations along the way he had that stability that i was craving at the time so I immediately stole his membership terms and conditions and, um, and then went home and went, okay, how do I build that into, into salons? And, uh, and that's what we did. So I came at it from a slightly different angle to most people. I think because I had nothing to follow that gave me a completely blank slate. Yeah. And, um, and the big thing about gym memberships is that they're unlimited. You pay the same whether you go once a week or five times a week. Um, and I really wanted that unlimited. And that was what made it a huge seller in my salon. And all of my memberships are unlimited. Now, that doesn't lend itself to every business. Um, and certainly right. when we start looking at um, beauty therapy and aesthetics, then so essentially what I, what I now have is a difference between the two. So I have subscriptions and memberships. Subscription is kind of a clearly defined benefit that you're going to get the same every month. So you wouldn't have, for example, an open-ended unlimited massage membership because mm-hmm. people, you know, firstly, you'd be knackered. And secondly, people <laughs> right. could be every day for massage. So we would have a clearly defined subscription where people come in once a week or once a month and we would price that accordingly. Um, or the other alternative is we have a membership, which to me is open-ended, come as much as you want to, um, mm-hmm. and, we, and we price it so that that's profitable for the salons as well. So all of mine are open-ended, and um, mine's a hair salon, not, not a beauty salon. Um, so all of those are open-ended. Okay. And as far as that, so it, you li- they literally, I buy a membership, mm-hmm. and I could come in every day for what like a blowout a scum I mean I people aren't going to come every day I I realize that but in no. theory in theory they could yeah they could yeah. they could come in every day um so we have okay here's what I wouldn't do which is what I did so my memberships are tiered <laughs> so we have a, a, a very basic we have our cutting membership we call it scissor happy um mm-hmm. so we have our scissor happy membership and you can come in for as many haircuts as you want to Mm -hmm. Um, then the next layer up 
includes color. So you can have as many haircuts and as many color services as you want to. And then the next tier up includes conditioning treatments. And then our final tier also includes blowouts as well. Um, okay. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't tier them in that way next time. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Firstly, um, a lot of people will sign up for your basic membership because they've not seen anything like it before. They don't know how it's going to work. So they go for the basic. And then three months later, they say something like, you know, I kind of wish I'd gone for the color one as well now. And then you have to figure out what to do. Do you cancel that membership, start another 12 months, or do they have three months of one membership and nine months of another one? It gets really muddy. Whereas mm -hmm. if you had separate, distinct memberships, they could sign up for a cutting membership and then three months later, sign up for a color membership and just add it on. So that's how I would oh, do things yeah. next time round. Um, and as far as people coming in every day is concerned, I mean, yeah, they could in theory, and we do see, and you have to be careful when you're launching your memberships, we do see a slight increase in frequency of visit. Um, it's a mm -hmm. bit like when you join the gym, because when you join the gym initially, you're there all the time. Um, you know, right. you're going in for your show round, and then your induction, and then you're really keen about this new program that this fit gorgeous boy has put together for you. So you're there an awful lot. And if you're not using the fitness suite, then you're using the sauna and pretending you're working out. And if you're not using that, then you're using the car park because it's next to Starbucks, but you're there a lot. And it's the same with salon memberships. People come in a bit more than they normally would. And then uh -huh. after a while, it scales back in the same way as with the gym membership. Eventually it scales back to a level that you can manage in the longer term. It's exactly the same with memberships um, in salons. So we see people come in a bit frequently to start with and then it goes back pretty much to where that to their normal frequency of visit yeah that actually makes a ton of sense how do you go about paying your service that way are they hourly or is it still a commission on which services they provide so there's a there's a few ways that you can do it so um, we are um and uh, and commission is a bit different in the uk we've got different regulations around it okay. so um so to bear that in mind people are going to need to do their own research too right um so we are a basic plus commission salon so everybody gets a guaranteed hourly wage and then they have targets to hit to achieve a certain level of commission what we do with the memberships is they still get commission on the services they carry out but it's at a slightly lower rate um, and that's okay. to allow for the fact that it's unlimited. There needs to be some kind of incentive for the customer to make it worth their while to join a membership rather than pay as you go. Um, but also my guys are okay with that because they understand that there's an increased opportunity to upsell and, and that has a value yeah. to, to the salon as well. Because what we find is that our, um, our membership customers are the highest average bill. They are the most frequent and the most organized. They book the furthest ahead for their appointments, but they're also the easiest to sell additional services to, and they also take additional products. And that's because there's something called, the, this is very cerebral, this conversation so far, <laughs> Heidi. Um, this because we've got this thing that kicks in called the law of reciprocity. So basically, if I give you something, you are psychologically uncomfortable until you feel that you've given me something back. By disconnecting the payment process from the service, our customers are a little bit psychologically uncomfortable. They want the upsell to ease that law of reciprocity that's oh. kicking in. So we've got that little psychological, I don't want to call it a trick, but it's a, it's a, it's a, documented feature um and we find that they are and they're also pretty good customers anyway so they do take the upsells they do take the retail so my guys understand even though they're all earning a slightly lower commission on that service any extra services they sell that day are going to be at full commission um so they're okay. okay with taking that i've also um seen some models where 
they get kind of a sign up bonus. So they don't get commission on the services, but they would get a commission for selling the membership at the front end. Mm. So a lot of salons have put in place what I call the 13th month. So essentially you pay a joining fee and then the joining fee is kind of commission up front for the stylist that sold the membership. I'm okay with that, but you need a really stable team because what you don't want is a situation where someone gets the signing up bonus um, and then they quit after three months and someone else has okay. got to fulfill those services for the client. Um, so I'm not a huge fan if you've got a lot of changes in your team. Um, it's not my favorite way to do it. Um, or I've seen some salons where they don't pay any commission on membership services. And essentially the message is you get yourself booked up with your regular clients or I'm going to get you booked up with membership clients, but you won't get commission on that. Um, now we can do that in the okay. UK because most people are on hourly plus commission. It's not mm -hmm. pure commission base. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and here it's kind of the same thing in that we do have to, and I'm not sure about every state, but here in Utah, if I, if I want to tell my client or my staff, sorry, like what hours they have to be here and, mm -hmm. and that kind of thing, then I have to be paying them hourly. They can't be a pure yeah. commission. And so I do have a hourly plus commission option, mm -hmm. you know, when they're starting out and then they can, they can change. But I, I really, I, I want to look into this. I think that this is a great idea and I think everybody should look into this. Um, do you have any other like thoughts that you want to add to that? I think to the... any other business tips that you have. I mean, there's a there's a couple of things I would emphasize about memberships is is firstly, it's not a discount club. These are not going to be your cut price, you know, huge budget seekers at all. In my mind, there's kind of a sliding scale for clients. So at number one, you have people that only come in when they see you've got a promotion on or they only come in when they've been bought a voucher by a family member. There's no loyalty there. They probably shop around, go to different places for different services. Then at number 10, you've got your most loyal would crawl over hot coals to get to their uh -huh. appointment with you, always buying the retail, always taking the upsells. And the mistake that people make is they either pitch it to their budget clients or they pitch it to their best clients. And we don't do either of those because your number ones, they're never going to be loyal. They're, they're always going to be a pain in the neck. If you sell them a membership, they're the ones that are going to, you know, take the mickey with it. They're, they're the ones that are going to be really hard work. Um, your number tens, we don't need to put them on a membership because they're already profitable. They're already ideal clients for us. So when memberships come in, in my mind, is they, they're a tool to take your number sevens, number eights, and just nudge them up the scale a bit. So it's a way of taking a good client and turning them into an exceptional client. That's where I see memberships coming in. Um, and and I, think, I, think it's a, I think it's a really useful way to look at it. Mm -hmm. So anytime you've got somebody in the chair and you kind of think, if I just saw you a bit more frequently, we could get an amazing result for you. Yeah. Anytime someone sets that New Year's resolution where they're going to put themselves first, they're going to put self-care first, and then by March, April, family stuff's got in the way, career stuff's got in the way, brilliant membership client because it will keep them on track. Mm -hmm. um, so it's that kind of that routine that they get into that that predictability and it's predictability on your side because you're getting predictability of income but it's predictable for your clients too they know what they're going to be spending and and in hair in particular you know if you've got somebody who's coming in say every five six weeks by definition they have an expensive month followed by a cheap month by definition they have one where they're spending yeah. a lot 
one where they're spending nothing. There are some clients who will, particularly at the moment, who will sign up for memberships just to have that stability of spend, just to have that predictability every single month. I can budget for that then, whereas it's really hard when you're coming in every five, six weeks. So there's lots of reasons that people would sign up for a membership beyond turning it into a discount club. Um, and I really, I, I, that's not what I sell. That's not what I teach at all. Right. It's, it's not a huge discounting exercise. So a question that just popped into my head is, do you find that your people go to the same stylist most of the time uh, yeah, that buy the memberships or do they kind of get into whoever? Um, Are they, they tend part of a salon to, client, I guess is what I'm asking, or? They, they tend to stick to the, to the stylist they've got the relationship with already, okay. but they're a really useful tool to build brand loyalty rather than stylist loyalty for sure. Yeah, that's what I was um, thinking. The other thing that happens, and I don't want to turn this into a kind of negative thing, but if somebody quits, if somebody decides to leave your employee, um, usually we find the membership clients stay with the salon at least until the end of their membership term. So you've okay. then got an opportunity for them to build some loyalty and to build a pattern of spend with somebody new um, and more of a chance to keep them keep them under your roof. Um, but I've also seen memberships really successfully steering clients either to certain team members or away from certain team members. I've seen memberships, for example, that are only available with your more junior team members. So it's their opportunity okay. and their tool to build up a loyalty and to, and to start seeing people regularly and build those relationships in the longer term. Um, equally, I've seen memberships purely for the salon owner. And the only way you can have an appointment with the salon owner is if you're a club member. Um, so it's, I've seen both, both ends of the scale. Um, I've seen memberships where I've seen a Monday club, for example. So someone decided they were going to start opening the salon on a Monday. They were really struggling with actually getting utilization up on the Monday. Um, so they put memberships in place, but it was only available on the Monday. Um, I've seen last minute memberships where, um, it's an unlimited service, but you have to call up that morning and it's basically just filling up last minute appointments. I've seen all sorts of stuff and it can work in almost any any salon business the only time i've been beaten is i was brought into a central london salon it was a blow dry bar um and they didn't know who their clients were they weren't keeping customer records nobody's name was on the system because it was just roll up take a seat and see whoever's next and they wanted to bring memberships in and i said i can't do it, it, it i've got you've got to know who your clients are um okay. and that's i think that's the only time i've been beaten to be honest, anything else, I think there should be an element of memberships um, in everybody's salon business because, and particularly at the moment, God, aren't we ready for some predictable in our businesses? Yes. Aren't we ready yes. for some stability at last after all these chaotic years? Can we not just have a little bit of steady reliable <laughs> for a while? I think that would be okay. That doesn't have oh to my feel gosh, yes. <laughs> It can feel like a holiday to have that predictability. Absolutely. Yeah. You've got my mind, like it, I've already had my mind spinning since our initial conversation but I love this and I think that it could be the new way we're doing it and I I think I'm thinking of myself as a client you know kind of looking at on the other end and I really see that being an amazing thing for even like last artists because sure sure like for me I I have very oily skin, right? So I feel like I have to get mine filled a little bit more mm -hmm. often, but I hate to go in and pay for an entire fill every week and a half. Yep. 
where some of her and it's not her because she has my girl has girl ladies that go like every, they can go three or four weeks mm-hmm. with her retention um but to be able to just go and you know 20 minutes and just get a little touch up every once in a while yeah sure uh, we've put I lots think, of lash memberships in place yeah. and, um facial memberships work really well more yes. on basis. Um, we've done yeah. massage stuff nails i've struggled to be honest with you purely because it tends to be that the profit margin is quite tight um Mm -hmm. so there's not much leeway as far as nails are concerned um the but pretty much any other salon service you can think of i mean the most successful one that i've ever put in place was waxing um and 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 that was kind of a challenge um somebody came to me and said i bet you can't do a waxing membership and it was (laughs) the most successful membership i've ever put in place hundreds literally hundreds of members um there's there's not much you can't build a membership round um i'd say probably my one big tip though is you've got to make sure your pricing's right um if your pricing's Mm -hmm. out of whack at the beginning memberships will just put a magnifier over that it will it will be really tough to to turn a profit on on memberships if your pricing shaky in the first place but assuming your pricing is profitable um, there's not much we can't build a membership round i love that so yeah i think that makes and i think we should all do that i i actually listened to one of your podcasts maybe it was a couple of weeks ago i can't remember talking about pricing mm-hmm. making sure pricing was correct and i think that we all need to step back and do that because I feel like with, at least around here, I don't know where how it is um, there, but I think we're scared to raise our prices right now because everything is going up. Mm. So we don't feel like we want to scare our clients away, but yeah, our costs have gone up so much that we're taking a price cut and, you know, we're taking a cut in our paychecks mm-hmm. because we don't want to pass that on to our clients. I think, so, I, think hey. a, I think there's a couple of points to make there. The first is this is probably the first year where it will be weird if you didn't put your prices up. Your clients are expecting it because they know that the price yeah. of everything has gone up. So actually more than ever, I think we've got a little bit of leeway. Um, the second thing I would say is we've got to be reviewing prices much more frequently. This once a year price increase thing okay. is insane. Um, firstly, it means that your price hikes tend to be bigger. Um, so it's a bit more uncomfortable for your clients. But secondly, you can't guess 12 months away, you know, particularly here. We, I don't know if it's the same over there. We've got this huge thing with utilities at the moment um, mm. where the price of energy has just gone through the roof. And salons have seen, you know, their monthly utility bills going from, say, three, four hundred pounds up to literally two, three thousand pounds oh, almost wow. overnight. Um, and we can't guess what's going to happen with that. Because um, we've got this situation in Ukraine and we've got, you know, utility companies going out of business, all sorts of weird stuff going on here. Um, So trying to predict what's going to happen in the next 12 months is really hard. But if you know you've got, say, a six month price review, we can nudge things in the right direction. Um, And then if there's a bit more work to do in a year's time, then then we can we can nudge them again. Um, But it means that those increases tend to be a little bit more palatable. So um, yeah. but my final thing on pricing and, and actually what I found really liberating was um, when I came to the realization, unless you're the cheapest in town, they're not coming to you for your prices anyway. And that right. was such a light bulb moment for me 
when I realized actually they're not here for the prices. They're here for something else, whether that's your personality or the ambiance that you've managed to create or the results that you get your clients or there's something else that they're mm -hmm. coming to you for. And I think that brings in quite a liberal approach then to pricing. I think you can probably push prices more than you think you can, unless mm -hmm. you're the cheapest in town. And being, and God, who wants to be the cheapest in town? That's a miserable exactly. place to be. It you is. Know, when, you're, when you're shopping around for the cheapest coffee and cancelling all the magazine subscriptions, I mean, who wants to, who wants to be that guy? Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I actually found that really liberating when I had that realisation. Mm -hmm. I agree with that, and I say that all the time. And honestly, if you do lose a client or two because of that price increase mm -hmm. well that gives you room for those two more clients who will pay what you're worth and that's so well, and that was a big wake-up call for me as well you know I, and we tend to get this around the round numbers so when suddenly mm -hmm. your cut and blow dry price goes to 80 or 90 or 100 so when we get to a round number and i've seen salons that have gone to you know 69 pounds 50 and then 69 pounds 75 and they'll do anything they can <laughs> not to break into the 70 but you know let's say you're going to put your cut and blow dry price up to 100 dollars um, yeah, there are some clients who would say, okay, that, enough's enough. I'm not going to spend $100 on a cut and blow dry. But equally, in every town, there are people who don't believe you can get a decent cut and blow dry for less than $100. Right. right. Every time you break into a new price point, you're also breaking into a new potential, more profitable market. Mm -hmm. Um, and I found that really interesting too. So yeah, and inevitably you're going to lose one or two along the way. Less so if you've got tiered pricing, I would emphasize that too. And I'm a huge mm -hmm. fan of tiered pricing structures. Um, you tend to retain them in the business. If you can't afford to see me, maybe you can see my colleague because they're, you know, they're a few dollars or a few pounds cheaper. Um, so I'm a big fan of that model as well. But uh, yeah, they're, they're not coming to you for your prices anyway. There's something else. There's something else. And I, and if you can emphasize that in your marketing and really capitalize yeah. on that, I think there's a lot you can do. Yep. I agree with that. I coach. That's one of my big things is your persona and just being the same person all the time to your people. And then they come to you. They're not coming to you for, like you said, your pricing or whatever. And, mm -hmm. and you said something um, early in the conversation that is so true. And it's that your clients were, they were, on your journey with you to become a family, right? And they were so excited yeah. for you. And six weeks off, no big deal. Mm -hmm. uh, you're right. Six months gets a little much, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> you do. You, you don't bond with your clients like that if they're just coming to you for your prices, right? Then sure. they don't care if you're taking six weeks off for, you know, I had surgery earlier in this year and all of them, like I got tags, like, how, how are you? You know, nobody was like, mm -hmm. when are you going to get back in? Because yeah. yeah. they're my people now, so yeah yeah they're um, your tribe and and, yeah. and it's, the other thing that i think we've got in our favor in our industry more so than maybe some of the beauty guys um is you know sometimes people will be okay maybe i can't do every six weeks then maybe i need to push it to seven um mm -hmm. so they can look at frequency as well so that the spend mm -hmm. remains relatively stable across the year but um the, that's the other thing that we always do with our membership so my memberships are all 12 month memberships um mm -hmm. because i find less than that doesn't really bring that stability um but one of the the selling points that i have with my clients is you know we have our price reviews twice a year you're insulated against that for the next 12 months this is what you're oh, going to be spending yeah. for the next 12 months um so if you've got price sensitive clients say well lock it in now you know lock it in on a membership now and then you've got that rate for at least the next 12. that's brilliant yeah that, that's another excellent point i love this and i'm definitely going to probably <laughs> be getting a hold of you because i would like to look into more of this for my salon 
Well, as much as I've never been to New Zealand, I've never been to Utah either. Just saying. Well, all right. <laughs> I think we'd have fun. <laughs> I don't know how much work we'd get done, but yeah, we'd I have know. fun. <laughs> <laughs> we, we could try to fit a little bit of work in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe an hour at the airport at the end. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Well, I cannot thank you enough. You are going, this will release, um, actually, next week. And okay. you will be my very first guest on the new rebranded podcast. And I'm, I'm honored. Not I thank you more. I was so excited about this. Um, tell everybody where they can find you, how they can learn more and about your offers and all the things. This will okay. also be in our show notes and on my website, but... Sure. Well, my, the main hub for everything I do is buildyoursalon.com. Um, I'm Phil Jackson coach on all the Instas and the Facebooks and all those good things. I don't TikTok. I'm too old for TikTok. Um, but actually, as far as memberships go, it's a different website. We have queenofmemberships.com. Um, which is where you'll find the details of my memberships master plan, which is my training program, takes you by the hand through membership creation. There's also the opportunity to jump on a call with me. So once you've got your first draft in place, if you want someone to sanity check it and hold your hand through that launch process, um, and that takes you through um, pricing your membership, building an offer that's really tempting, figuring out who you're going to sell those memberships to. Um, through the launch process, there's my, and they're only a draft because I can't give legal advice but my draft terms and conditions are in there there's a, a three-part email campaign that you can send out to your clients to get your first members signed up oh. as well so all of that's involved and plus that sanity check as well and if you use the discount code Heidi um, then you can take it's priced in pounds I'm afraid but you can take 50 pounds off your investment too fantastic well thank you so much um I'm sure I want to have you back again. There's so many more things that we could talk about. I feel Let's like do this every week. Let's have a glass great. of wine every week. I'm game. I love it. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And to all of my listeners, make sure you go check out Phil. Look into memberships. Look into listen to his podcast. It's amazing. And until next time, cheers, guys. Cheers.